So who is Jesus? Who is this child that's born? He's the humble king from nowhere, mm -hmm. who's also the branch that will rule the world. Yeah. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing our look at the book of Matthew and trying to see how to read the Old Testament through Matthew's eyes with yeah. Jesus glasses on, walking through that. It's been really exciting. Yeah. So, Seth, how are you feeling today? I'm really excited. Um, I've had a lot of fun in this journey discovering how Matthew believes that Jesus is not just God in the flesh, but Israel in the flesh, hmm. repeating the pattern and history of God's people in his own life. It's just been a really fun yeah. way to think about the life of Jesus, but also a fun way to think about the history of Israel as the thousand-year-long story yeah. of what Jesus does in 33 years before <laughs> his death. <laughs> yeah, I think everything we've said so far has prepared me to understand what, you, what you're talking about there with Jesus's filling out and incarnating the story of mm -hmm. the Old Testament of yeah. the people of Israel. We've looked at like the genealogies and we've looked a little bit at Joseph and and everything. And I'm seeing like, okay, Jesus yeah. is repeating those, but I don't think you've used that exact language here yet of Israel in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you mean by that? What I mean is kind of, it's just another way that I'm experimenting with understanding what Matthew wants us to see mm. Jesus as. He's the Messiah. Yeah. He's the savior of Israel. He's the one who's come to save his people and all people. But how? By reliving Israel's story and fulfilling it in all of the hope it originally had. So it's, mm. he's, Israel in the flesh, the hope of Israel in the flesh, the king of Israel in the flesh, the nation of Israel yeah. in the flesh. He is Israel embodied, not just as a nation and as a as a history, but also in all their hopes and expectations. Does that yeah. make sense? I think so. I mean, cuz I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around why that's needed. Yeah. Right, cuz I mean, I'm thinking, okay, the history of Israel, mm -hmm. all throughout the Old Testament there's like this pattern of yeah, like you said hope and expectation I mean, you go back to the garden, you know, yeah. here's a new world for us to live in. Oh, you messed that up. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, here's a new land, Canaan, for you to live in. Oh, mess that up. You know, mm -hmm. here's mm -hmm. a law, obey it. Oh, you messed that up. You know, and so yeah. is it that Israel needs a redo? They need someone. Why do they need someone in the flesh to act out their story again? Why is that? Why is well, that on the line? God's people are how God blesses the world. God's people are how God blesses the world. Yep, okay. That's how he always intended it to be. Yeah. That's what Adam and Eve were supposed to do. God's yeah. people were supposed to bless the world. Right, as Israel followed the law, they would be a light to the nations. Moses and was them. told that he would bless the world because mm -hmm. he was God's chosen person. Like Or Abraham. Abraham, sorry. Yeah. So Ab Abraham. That's been God's intention, yeah. that God's people would bless the world. Right. So if God's people 
symbolized by the nation of Israel, mm. is going to finally accomplish what it needs to accomplish. Mm. Israel's history needs to be played out again. Right. Jesus needs to be God's people. He needs to be Israel yeah. in order for the world to be blessed. I see. Because the story of Israel is not just narrative tidbits of like cool actions. They were actually God's way of blessing the world. Yes. But that blessing hadn't gone out in the way it was supposed to. It kept getting hamstrung by the leadership of Israel by most sin often. By and, sin, yeah. whatever else. Yes. Okay. So God had a way to, to bless the world. Mm -hmm. And it was through a people. And he put them in stories and gave them like different environments and laws and land in order to accomplish that blessing. Mm -hmm. But it was hamstrung by leadership and sin. And so now Jesus, as the new Israel in the flesh, mm -hmm. is going to walk that story out again yep. and succeed where Israel failed uh -huh. in order to bring the blessing God's always wanted to bring to the world. That's right. Oh, okay, that's helpful. Yes. Okay. So let me just recap where we've been so far and prove the point that Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is replaying okay. Israel's history. Yeah, do so Jesus' life began like the story of creation began in Genesis chapter 4. Verse 2. This is the genesis of. This is the beginning of. Mm. And that's the very first words of the book of Matthew. This is the beginning of Jesus Christ. Mm. In the book Genesis chapter 2, right before it chronicles the creation of the world, it says this is the beginning of. And that continued with a long list of genealogies. And every one of those genealogies began, this is the genesis of the people of God. You know, like this is mm -hmm. that phrasing, the genesis of, the beginning of. And Matthew begins the same way. This is the genesis of Jesus. Mm. And just as the book of Genesis begins with genealogies, Matthew begins with genealogies. Right. And as the, the genealogies of Genesis lead to Abraham, the first of God's chosen people, the first citizen of Israel, Matthew's genealogy begins with Abraham. Mm. Abraham is the first person mentioned in the genealogy. So yeah. he's... He's the one who is supposed to bless the world, and we're about to read the genealogy, the beginning, the genesis of the man who will bless the world. That's, I see. Right? That's helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we quite nailed that in the genealogy episode. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's cool. And then Abraham, so Abraham was God's choice to bless the entire world. Yeah. And then, so that means Matthew understands Jesus not only as the true son of Abraham, but like the embodied hope of... Israel is a nation. That yeah. He, they would bless the world. We've, we've said that already. And as we know, the story of Genesis ends with a son of Abraham blessing the whole world. Mm -hmm. That was Abraham's promise that yep. your nation will bless the whole world. Right. And, and that's the, Joseph, right? And at the very end of the book of Genesis, there's a character named Joseph yeah. who becomes the second in command of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And from that position of power, he blesses the whole world with bread during a catastrophic famine. All the world in a famine comes to Joseph and he provides mm -hmm. for them. Right. Fulfilling in part the blessing of all nations that Abraham's offspring were supposed to do. That's exactly right. So yep. which is why Matthew replays the melody of Joseph's life yeah. in Jesus's father, Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> Joseph is given a kingly title, the son of David, just mm -hmm. like Joseph was a kingly title in Egypt, the second mm -hmm. in command to Pharaoh. Both Josephs have dreams both Josephs receive gifts or money from foreign nations in return for either actual bread during the famine or Jesus, the bread of life from the town of Bethlehem, which is known as the house of bread. Right. We talked and about that was that. The, the riches he received were the gifts from the Magi. That's right. That's okay. right. Yep. That's right. 
So the point is, like, what is Jesus doing? He's replaying Israel's history. Yeah. He is Israel. He's yeah. Israel in the flesh. So if we have all that in our mind, what do we expect next is the fact that, well, in Israel's history, they spent 400 years in slavery. Right. With a big bad guy named Pharaoh surrounded by magicians who refuse and refute all the signs of Moses. Right. And so Matthew opens this phase of Jesus's life not by introducing us to an Egyptian pharaoh, but the Jewish king, Herod, mm. who has surrounded himself by the Jewish religious establishment. And the first thing Herod and all the religious elite of Israel do is they refuse to accept the implications of a sign, mm. a moving light that foreshadows a new king of the Jews is on the rise. Right. And that brings us to Matthew 2, where we left off last time. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. Because, yeah, in the Exodus story, you had Pharaoh who was confronted by Moses saying, you know, let my people go. There's And he's like, here's a sign from God. Yep. I'm going to take my staff and turn it into a snake. And he was like, eh, my magicians can do the same thing. I'm going to refute it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let the people go. That's right. Then what's the connective tissue after that? We can go keep going in okay. the story, Matthew's story, because... Because I'm like, there's no, you don't have the plagues. <laughs> not yet. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll just go along for the ride. But so that's that's where we've been so far. This yeah. is how Jesus yeah. played the story of Israel. If you imagine Moses delivering the first sign, Pharaoh rejecting it, mm-hmm. what do we expect next? We expect something, maybe, maybe plagues next. Right. Maybe we also expect the character of Pharaoh to be built out more. Pharaoh killed a whole bunch of children. Yeah. Like all that kind of stuff. Kind of how we're introduced to him. Yes. In the Exodus story is, so there was this guy named Pharaoh. He was scared of the Israelites having children. Mm-hmm. And so he killed all the male children under two. That's right. Here's how Matthew begins his next section, filling out Jesus as Israel in slavery in Egypt. So okay. here's what he says. When they had gone, the Magi had gone. Mm. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Mm. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet Hosea, in this key case, out of Egypt, I called my son. Okay. So, if Jesus is Israel's history in the flesh, we expect a version of the Exodus story here. So, Joseph has another dream. But this time, it warns him to leave Israel in order to save Jesus' life. Mm -hmm. Herod wants to kill Jesus. And, in fact, he kills all the boys in Bethlehem in the next verse. Mm -hmm. So, he is Pharaoh reincarnated. Right. But what's fascinating is that Egypt is now Israel. Right, because he's not fleeing Egypt. The big baddie is in Israel, and they're Mm -hmm. leaving Israel to go to where the big baddie used to be in Egypt. Israel has become Egypt. It's flipped. Yeah, the place of hard-hearted leaders and infanticide is now God's country. Yeah. It's an inversion of what should be true. That's an interesting way, then, that the text itself answers the question I had earlier about why do we need an Israel in the flesh, a new Israel in the flesh. Oh, it's because yes. Israel's become Egypt. That's right. And so they're not blessing the world. They're killing the world. That's right. They are now Pharaoh's evil, mm-hmm. multiplying and oppressing the world instead of <laughs> instead of blessing and, it. Instead and of blessing so it. That's right. Jesus is now this new remnant, this new son of Abraham who is going is like walking in the story of this tiny remnant mm-hmm. people 
who are going to escape from the oppressive nation and bless the world. That's except right. now that oppressive nation is Israel herself, who needs a new enfleshed Israel. That's right. To bring about the blessing. And that's confirmed by the fact mm. that Matthew has inverted Hosea's prophecy. The out of Egypt, I, I called my son. Yes, because okay. when Ma- Hosea said it, he said it of God calling Israel out of actual Egypt. So he in, in Hosea's day, he's retelling the story mm-hmm. of the Exodus. Yes. And he actually means, back in the day, literal Egypt. Yep. And out of that place, I called Israel. Right. Okay. But now Matthew is saying, now God is going to do the same thing again. He's going to rescue his people from slavery mm-hmm. again. And he's going to call his people out of Egypt one more time. Mm. But by quoting it here, he explicitly under, makes us understand that Israel has become Egypt and Jesus is Israel. Mm. His God's son is Jesus. And God called Israel his son right. out of Egypt. And now he's going to call his son Jesus out of this new Egypt called Israel. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. One thing that I want to see, like, why quote Hosea here yeah. kind of question is, I mean, I know there was a lot of the stuff that we're already flagging going on in Jesus' day that was going on in Israel and Hosea's day, mm-hmm. you know, because we've talked through Hosea before, and there was, you know, political idolatry, bad leadership, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And it, yes. it seems like for him to say that Israel has become the new Egypt and that's being fulfilled right now. Mm-hmm. Hosea's prophecy being fulfilled right now. It seems like Matthew's like interpreting Hosea really well mm-hmm. in saying that you guys should have actually seen this coming a lot earlier. You guys were like Egypt even back when Hosea originally said this. Yeah. To my knowledge, Hosea never calls Israel Egypt. Right. But it gives us a picture of Israel that looks no different than Egypt. Right. And throughout the Old Testament, there is a biblical theme of Israel becoming more and more like Egypt over time. Yeah, like when Solomon took over Israel's king, he like got first a bunch thing of he did chariots was, from Egypt. He, the first thing he did was bought a whole bunch of Egyptian horses. <laughs> like, uh, oh, you're not supposed to do that. And then he enslaved his own people. So like that was like, right. that's the... Israel has always become like Egypt. And now, yes. nail in the coffin, so much so that they have to, God has to call his own son out of the husk of his former collective son, Israel. Yeah. Man, okay. So I'm following. Yeah, yeah, so what it means so what that means is Matthew understands that Jesus is Israel in the flesh and he's being called out of Israel as a nation, mm-hmm. i.e. Egypt, Egypt, in order to save Israel from its own leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and by extension the world. And by extension the world. And so he and then uh, then to your point, what you said was like he's that means also he's the new leader, the rightful leader right. of Israel. Yeah. If Israel has abdicated its call to lead in the way it's supposed to and Jesus is repeating the story of Israel to bless the world, he should be the king of the Jews. I see. He is the one they've been waiting for all this time. Yeah, that's cool. So when Jesus is leaving Israel with his family, are we supposed to see him as the new Moses, mm-hmm. as the new mm-hmm. as a new Abraham, as a new collective Israel? Like, what's Matthew wanting to have in my brain in yes. this moment? Beginning right now, and will continue throughout the rest of the book of Matthew, is that, in a sense, right now, Joseph is Moses. <laughs> you know, like, he's yep. the one ta- rescuing God's son out of Egypt. Oh, right. So, G- oh, I see. Joseph is the new Moses. Yeah. And the son is Jesus 
who right. was the collect of Israel. Right. Israel followed Moses out of Egypt, yeah. just as Jesus is being taken out of Israel by his dad, Joseph. That's right. Okay, that's cool. But that. very quickly, Jesus too will also become Moses. Okay. Um, and he will be the king of a new nation. Yeah. Very, very quickly in Matthew's okay. understanding. So I think Matthew kind of takes the father-son, the, the royal family, the divine family, um, kind of almost as a unit sometimes, mm-hmm. but also which allows him to see Joseph as Moses and then also Jesus as Moses at different at different points of time. So we have Jesus the son of God being the enfleshed version of corporate Israel who was called in the Old Testament the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And Israel was called out of literal Egypt under Pharaoh to become a new people that would bless the world. And now Jesus is being called out of Israel, the new spiritual Egypt, yeah. under evil Herod, <laughs> in order to go out and be a new leader who will bless the world. That's right. Yep. You did it. I did it. <laughs> you did it. You are reading both your Old Testament and the book of Matthew, as Matthew intended. All right. Okay, so now what? Verse 16. Uh, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave <laughs> orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. Never outwit a megalomaniac. Uh, yeah. They're just <laughs> yeah. going to get mad. <laughs> and so th- and this is just proving the point that he's Pharaoh. He's committing mm. infanticide just as Pharaoh did. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. When, he, when all the children were killed. That's right. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That's very confusing because Jeremiah was way after the, uh, after Pharaoh killed all the children, right? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. I guess these are, Mm -hmm. in a way, Rachel's children. Well, yeah, you're right. Jeremiah is not talking about Egyptian brutality. He's talking about Babylonian brutality. Oh, okay. Which means that apparently Matthew doesn't just understand Herod as a type of Egypt. Mm. He also understands him as a type of Babylon. Right. So he's also kind of escalating the type of leadership in Israel. He's uh-huh. not just the first bad guy we're introduced to. Egypt and Egypt, Pharaoh. But Herod and the religious elite of Israel yep. are Babylonian in nature. Yeah. They're the ones who sent them into exile and like caused a lot of the social and political situation they're in right now mm. because of their failures. That's really interesting. So yeah, so God is not only calling Israel in this day and age and Jesus's age, Egypt. He's also saying you're the ratcheted up big baddie of the old Testament Babylon. Mm-hmm. And then if he's quoting Jeremiah mm-hmm. and there's this weeping and loud lamentation that's happening for the children of Rachel, which are the mm-hmm. people of Israel, He's referring to what happened when they were exiled by Babylon. That's right. So are we then supposed to see Jesus in this moment, not only as the remnant exiting from Egypt in triumph, but also he's being exiled like Israel in punishment? Yeah. I'm very, I've yes, never yes, thought yes, about yes. that before. Okay. So yes, let's get there. Okay. So okay. Let me, let me kind of confuse you a little bit more. <laughs> Great. First, I can't wait. If we just stayed in the Egypt narrative for a second. Okay. Yep. I can do that. Out of Egypt, God calls his son. And where does he go next? The Uh, wilderness. Yes. So 
the wilderness is not a home. No. It's a kind of exile, you could yeah. suppose. It's a place of exile. Right. Yeah. And we'll get to this in a second, but whenever Moses was in Egypt, what happens next? He is exiled from Egypt because he murders a man and goes to right. Midian. Yeah. So both in Moses' story and in Israel's story, after leaving Egypt, they spend a time homeless. Right, in the right? wilderness. Yeah. In the wilderness. That happens at the end of Israel's history, too. Right, when they go into exile. When they go into exile in Babylon. Right. So, like, we have connected ideas here. Yes. But what's kind of even more confusing is that Jeremiah 31 is almost entirely good news. Oh, right. It, yeah, that's the, like, New Covenant stuff is in It there. describes God's intentions to bring Israel out of exile mm-hmm. back to Israel. And there's just, like... Really fun language. Everyone's going to grow grapes in their backyard. Yeah. Um, everyone's going to be at peace. All enemies are going to be destroyed. And like everybody in Jeremiah 31 is singing. Okay. So it's like it's like this musical. <laughs> like God, like God comes back. He brings the Jeremiah back. the musical coming 2023. <laughs> people are just singing yeah. that God is good. Um, then in the middle of all this great news of God's return, yeah. you have the quotation that Matthew picks up. Uh-huh. A voice is heard in Rama weeping and great mourning but what it's describing in context of jeremiah 31 yeah is the cries of all the families whose children have been stolen from them by babylon oh where's rama rama is just north of jerusalem uh for a period of time it was mm. where samuel ruled from okay so, uh, so they're they're weeping from israel they're weeping from i was just israel. curious if yeah, they were yeah, weeping yeah. from exile or weeping in israel no, so presumably it's the parents that were left behind. Babylon's Canaan stole uh, all the young. It's like Daniel's mom. That's right. Yeah. They're, it's describing the cry of all these people being, s- children being stolen by Babylon. Okay. What is this lamentation thing doing inside of the the Jeremiah 31 musical? So this musical's happening. It's great news for Israel. And then the prophet kind of pauses and says, but I also know everyone's weeping back home right now all your children god's promising all this but all your children are still in exile right parents are still weeping over their lost children that's that's the situation and then jeremiah says but parents verse 16 17 restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears your work will be rewarded Mm. your children will return from the land of the enemy so there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to your own land. So this is doing a couple different things. We've already mentioned this. Herod isn't just Egyptian. He's Babylonian. Uh-huh. Herod and the religious leadership of Israel embody now the two biggest and baddest threats to Israel that have, has ever existed. Yeah. Israel suffering under her own leadership as badly as they have suffered under Babylonian and Egyptian leadership. Oh, yeah, right. It's a big deal. But secondly, there is hope that in Jesus, the exile God's people are experiencing in their own country Mm -hmm. is about to end. The children they have lost will be returned to them. So this could mean that like God intends to give back to parents who have lost their children, Mm -hmm. their children back one day. Right. But really specifically here, the hope here is that the child Jesus will return. We're already told that Jesus is the son. Right. He's called the child throughout this whole narrative section. Jesus, the child, Israel will return. 
He is the child of Israel in the flesh, exiled by Herod to Egypt. And in his return, all families who have been separated from their children will be reunited with their children. And the exile of God's people will be over forever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, let me, let me yeah, give it a yeah. whack. Uh, I've never heard this before, <laughs> legitimately. Oh, <laughs> uh, I cannot believe that. Okay, so two things mainly, it sounds like, are happening yeah. with this Jeremiah quotation. One is, let's call it on like a human level. Yeah. On a human level, Jesus is here, and it's great. But then like in real terrible... He's promised to bring the... He's right. the new Davidic king. He's right. the one. It, there, it's, like, it's a musical. Right. Yeah. He, so many good things are happening. But then Herod kills a bunch of actual people's children. Mm-hmm. And it's just, he's like, it's kind of like what Jeremiah was experiencing. He was yep. like, a lot of hope, a lot of good stuff, but I know that times are really hard. Mm-hmm. But restrain your mourning because God is going to be good on his promises. He will return your children. He'll to return you. your children to you. So that's like a human level kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this giant jesus as new israel theological thing that's happening here where what you're saying is that in the same way that the moms of israel were crying over their exiled sons who were taken away from them Mm -hmm. right and that that's happening again but jesus is the exiled son Mm -hmm. and the weeping mothers are the actual weeping mothers of israel who probably lost their kids in bethlehem Mm -hmm. but jesus is the new exiled son who will return to them who will fulfill all of the hopes of jeremiah 31 Mm -hmm. to return the people to their land get grapes sing songs Mm -hmm. new covenant new spirit all that kind of stuff is going to come to them yeah and so he is saying like the new covenant this time of return this Mm -hmm. freedom from exile is coming in jesus even though right now it looks like absolute yeah. horror and terror yeah. in your land. Yeah. Another way to say it would be Israel's mothers are crying for their sons to be returned. And when Jesus comes back as a son, he will answer their cries. Mm. He will He will do for them what they want. Like yeah. their desires for their sons and daughters to be returned to them from the grave will be given to them when Jesus comes back out of Egypt. Yeah, that's really good. That's on like on a very human yeah. level, that's what's happening. But like on this grand biblical narrative level, Jesus, the Son of God, will return from exile and reestablish all the hopes of yeah. all mothers of all of Israel's history, you know? Right, yeah. Okay, so I understand the idea of Jesus as the new Son of God who is following the new Moses into a new Exodus— because the people need to be freed from the new Egypt yeah. <laughs> and have a new kingdom. I get that. We've laid that out. That makes sense. Why then is Matthew putting this double entendre where it's not just the Exodus story, it's also the exile story, mm-hmm. and now Jesus is a new exile? Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that he's the enfleshed Israel. Israel was in exile, so now he's going into exile. But why does Jesus need to experience this exile before he comes back to the people of Israel? As we keep saying, in order for Jesus to bless the world, he needs to follow the story of God's people. Right. And being exiled has always been a part of the story of God's people. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus is not exiled in some sense, he cannot truly be Israel and not truly lead people out of exile because where are all the people all the people are in exile Mm. jesus must 
as the new go leader. Go to them. Go to the exiles, mm. become their leader, and bring them back to their homeland. Yeah. So he has to go to exile to save them from exile because that's where they all are. Right. You can't lead an exilic community out of their oppressive nation. Without going to exile first. Without going to them. That's what Moses has to do. Right. He goes to Midian. Yeah. And then goes back to his people who are enslaved to in order to lead, to lead them out. It's so interesting then. I think the like, the good news of that is the extreme lengths that Jesus is going so early on in his life, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. to be with his people. Yeah. To be Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Right. God with us. Yes. It's also a foreshadowing of his, of his death. When he actually is exiled. Why, why must he die? Mm-hmm. Because all of us are dead right. without him. And so he goes to death to lead an army of previously dead people to new life out of the exile of the grave out of the exile of the grave like this yeah of course jesus has to go to exile because that's where we all are yeah that's that's helpful because it's like cool so jesus is the new israel i guess he's too good for me it's like no he came to Mm -hmm. exile yeah he was cast out of his own people and came to where you are in order to bring you back there's no place he can't reach Mm -hmm. okay that's cool So we've seen how Jesus as the new Israel has fulfilled two different exile stories or, or exit stories. Yeah. One, he has left Egypt uh, to start a new people under mm-hmm. God's law and be the new leader that they need. Mm-hmm. And that is in him leaving Israel, which is the new Egypt. Yes. And then the second one that we've seen is that Jesus is also fulfilling the exile that Babylon brought uh-huh. upon Israel yep. when they took the sons of Israel away from the mothers of Israel mm-hmm. uh, and the mothers wept and cried. It was terrible. But there's this promise in the musical of Jeremiah 31 that the sons will return. And that is the hope that Jesus is bringing, that yeah. he is the exiled Israel who's going to return home and bring to fruition all the promises of God. Yes. Okay. So those are the two things that are kind of yeah, swirling around, overlapping with each other. So I guess yeah. what I would be expecting next mm-hmm. would be, okay, so we got weeping mothers wanting the musical of Jeremiah 31 mm-hmm. to come true, which would, would be, let's return to Israel mm-hmm. and grow some grapes, you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what's next? That's right. But we also have to remember that when we say return to Israel in yeah. Jesus's time period, we're also saying returning to Egypt. Yeah, the spiritual new Egypt. So it's almost as if the hope of returning to Israel out of exile is happening at the same time Moses returns to Egypt to lead his people out of slavery. Is that it, is confusing. Is, is I, that, I get what you're saying, but that is like mental gymnastics to keep up with. Yeah, because, I mean, because the, Matthew has stacked the images for yeah. us that Israel and Egypt are both the hope and the problem right at the same time because what you're so what you're saying is when jesus is going to be called out of egypt basically to return to israel and i'm mm-hmm. talking about yes. actual geographical places yes. right now that is two things are happening one is jesus is the new moses actually leaving egypt to go start the new people of god mm-hmm. right but something else is happening because israel where he's going is is the new egypt and so he's also Moses coming into Egypt to condemn Pharaoh, and <laughs> it's, so, it's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, 
I think what helps explain our confusion a little bit mm. is to remember a little more concretely in our minds that before Moses actually led God's people out of e- Egypt, he spent some time in Midian. Oh, so this yeah. is it's kind of a weird narrative detail, but it actually ends up being really important. So in the Exodus story, Moses is born in Egypt under the rule of an infanticidal king, afraid right. of losing his power, right? And interestingly enough, Moses is also an heir to the throne of Egypt. He's Pharaoh's right. son, he or adopted son right. at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so similarly, Jesus is born under the rule of an infanticidal king yes. who's afraid of losing his power to Jesus, who's the rightful heir to the throne of the Jews. I see. So in this first time, when, when, uh, when Matthew says, out of Egypt I will call my son, this maps on most closely not to... Israel leaving Egypt in the Exodus, mm-hmm. it is most closely related to Moses, Moses yes. leaving Egypt on the lamb. Right. Okay. And what happens next? Moses leaves on the lamb to Midian, where he encounters a priest, he gets married, he has a son. And then we're told this in Exodus 2, 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. And now let me read for you Matthew 2, 20. God appears to Joseph in a dream. He says, take up the child and the mother in the land of Israel because those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Ah, uh, same thing. Same thing happens. Yep. And so Joseph gets up, returns to Israel. And what happens next in Exodus is that God hears the cries of Israel in slavery. And in the very next verse, the verses in chapter three are where God speaks through the burning bush, calling Moses to lead his people. Mm-hmm. And the very next verses here, God speaks to Joseph to bring Jesus back to his people. Yeah, does that make th- that makes uh, sense? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Th- you see the so parallels? The, that 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 dream where where God, oh oh no, it is the angel of the Lord still, where the angel of the Lord says, "Rise and take the child for those who sought the child's life are dead." That's the new burning bush moment. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's right. There's very strong similarities between the way that Matthew has recorded Jesus's life mm-hmm. and the way that Israel's history worked out in the book of Exodus. Herod dies. He's already heard the cries of his people exiled in Bethlehem, mourning the loss of their sons. Yeah. And then God speaks in a dream to Joseph to send his family back to Israel to save them from their exile, just mm. as Joseph is sent back into Israel to save his people, sent back into Egypt. Or Mo- Moses. Moses is sent back yeah. into Egypt to save Egypt. his people, Israel. And just as Joseph yep. is sent back into Israel to save the weeping mothers of Bethlehem from their exile. All these different flips of nations, and is it the real one or the spiritual one? Or it's right. Whose yeah. name is it? It's so hard to keep it all straight. But okay, that makes a ton of sense. So when Jesus is returning to Israel after his time in Egypt, that is precipitated by the death of Herod, mm-hmm. just like Moses was in the wilderness That's until right. Pharaoh mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. And then Moses goes back into Egypt to say, let my people go after mm-hmm. the burning bush moment. That's right. And Jesus is going to come back into Israel to free them yeah. after Joseph's burning bush moment with God saying, those who are seeking this child's life are dead. You can go back in. So why that parallel and like what is... Matthew trying to like right. set up in our brain for okay Jesus is coming back into right. the Israel slash Egypt yeah what are we supposed to be thinking what's that narrative tension that he's so, trying to pull out again like Jesus is Israel in the flesh right. yep has to replay the story and he's increasingly as we said before a new Moses mm-hmm. Moses importantly was the founder of the nation of Israel 
Hmm. He yep. was the one who began it as a nation. Right, because of, like, based on the covenants or... Yeah, because yeah. he l- led a freedom movement out of Egypt. Right. And then ratified God's people as a people yeah. on Mount Sinai with a constitution called right. the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And, everyone, and God pledged himself to the people, and the people pledged themselves to God. That's when Israel became a nation. A nation, yeah. So Moses was the father of the nation of Israel. Yeah. And Jesus increasingly is being shown as the father mm. of a new nation okay. as well. And importantly, as a father of a new nation who will lead his people out of slavery, out of exile, out of weeping, and into this musical land mm. of Jeremiah 31 where there is peace and prosperity and goodness for all of God's people. Yeah, so I guess I would expect the next part of the story to be Jesus coming back and going up to the religious powers that be and say, let my people go or something. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, but and like, that's exactly what you'll get. Oh, is it? Because I'm, I'm in like, chapter I'm, three, you will we will get there oh, because okay. the next thing that happens is the woes against the Pharisees in the mouth of John the Baptist. Oh, stop. <laughs> so it's like Come on. <laughs> okay, but we're not going there we're today. Not, we're not going there today. Okay, okay, so staying in Jesus comes back to Israel and particularly he comes back to the district of Galilee and a city called Nazareth. Yeah. Okay. And this is an odd detail to end the birth narrative of right. Jesus. Because it goes to John the Baptist after yeah, this. We're, so we this jump, is like the big conclusion climax moment. Yeah, we jump 30 years in the future after this moment. So like <laughs> this is the this is a big deal. This oh is a, a big point. And this would be if this was a Netflix series, this would be the cliffhanger this at the is end the of the cliffhanger episode. ending. And it is weird. He went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I mean, I don't really know why that's important. <laughs> so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Yeah, so weird. I do know I do know this tidbit. I know just enough to be dangerous. Okay, what do you know? I know that, well, I can see it even in just my Bible, that there's no quotation marks around this fulfilled Nazarene language. Yep. And there's no like footnote telling me what verse it comes from yeah so what i think i know is this fulfilled thing that the prophet said that he will be called a nazarene isn't actually in the bible um <laughs> you would be pretty correct in that okay actually. yeah um because i've tried to find it before yeah there is no prophecy in, in scripture, scripture or even in ancient jewish literature okay i was wondering about that that says that he will be a nazarene so what is happening um here? Well, so you notice a couple details already. There's no quotation marks here like there was for... Jeremiah or Hosea. That's right. We're also told that Matthew says the prophets, plural, say something. Oh, I didn't even catch that. And you miss this in English, but in Greek, you have a word that signifies like the beginning of a quotation normally. Uh Yep. That's missing from the Greek right here. Mm. So what that makes you feel like when he says the prophets say... He's not picking up an actual quotation, Quote. but like a theme developed across all the prophets. All the prophets. Yeah, because you're right. In in leading up to the Hosea prophecy, it says spoken by the prophet, mm-hmm. singular, and then leading up to Jeremiah, same thing, singular prophet. Yeah. And you have those quotation formulas yeah. leading up to them. You have plural prophets and no quotation formula. So it's a theme across the prophets saying, you know. If you kind of synthesize some stuff happening in the prophets, you would guess he would be a Nazarene. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Okay. That's right. What? Okay. I can't even come close to feigning <laughs> that I know what's happening here. So 
lay it out. Obviously, as many things the Bible are, this is this is probably the most debated thing I'll say all day. Okay, but it means it's gonna be my favorite. Thing this could be your favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing. I'll get, start with my favorite idea. Okay, so this is one idea out of many from the scholars. The one out of two that seem to be the most likely. Okay, and I think maybe the best way will will end up being both of them. Okay, great. So just to lead into this point, this is the capstone of. Matthew's argument he's been making for two chapters. Jesus is the son of the queenly Mary and the kingly Joseph. Mm-hmm. He is a new Moses figure who will come and deal with the corrupt leadership of Israel that have become like Egypt and bring God's people back away from exile and give them this musical future mm-hmm. where all God's people's dreams come true and even perhaps their dead sons will be returned to them. Yeah. Okay. How do you cap that argument off? By calling him a Nazarene. Because, yeah, so, like, so I'm <laughs> expecting something big right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Yeah. The way that I think this gives it the weight it deserves is to think about Hebrew words for Oh, a great. Let's think about <laughs> Hebrew words. So that word, Nazarene, is the Greek word, Nazareos. Okay, yeah. Nazareos. As we've said before, there's no biblical quotation where somebody is called a Nazarene. Right. We have one biblical quotation where somebody's called a Nazarite. Yes. And that is from the book of Samson. Mm-hmm. Or not the book of Samson, the book the of book Judges, of Judges in which Samson, Samson is a very morally complicated figure. Yeah. But nevertheless, he does save people from enemies. So is he a is he take the Nazarite vow? Or yes. he is a, or is he a Nazarite? He, he takes the Nazarite vow, but yeah. that type of per, a person who takes a Nazarite vow... Could be called a Nazarite. It's called a Nazarite, okay, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but, like, because I don't think, like, he wasn't from the town of Nazarene or anything. No, that, like, Nazareth. That, yeah. That's right. Okay. So, you have a similar-sounding word there. Yes. A Nazarite. Yeah, and, the, and that vow was, like, don't cut your hair, don't drink wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But what's... And we'll get there. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And what's interesting about that is that the Hebrew letters... Uh-huh are the same letters as this Greek word right here. And oh, so Z-R, Nazareos, uh-huh. Nazar, and uh-huh. Z-R. So it's, he's, he's doing transliteration there. Yeah, he's doing this kind of weird transliteration work. So you have a character in biblical history mm-hmm. that was called a Nazarit, a, na- mm-hmm. a, a Nazar, who saved God's people. Yep. And what were Nazarites? So go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 6 where it describes a Nazarite for the first time. A naz- someone who would do the Nazarite vow? Someone who would take the Nazarite okay. vow. A Nazar, a Nazar. Yeah. And this person basically chose willingly to take on the lifestyle of the high priest. Okay. So this person would refuse to drink alcohol like the high priests were not supposed to drink alcohol when they went to the temple. Yeah. They weren't supposed to cut their hair, which is kind of an odd one. We're not told the high priests are supposed to do that, but some people suggest that might be like a symbol of humanity in the garden. A wild man like oh. Adam wouldn't have had a razor. He would have been a, in his natural state. Sure. So I've also heard like uh, not cutting hair is a sign of wholeness. Yeah. Because a lot of the Levitical laws are about like not tampering with right. two things, but keeping things whole yep. and perfect. And so either way, yep. whatever they mean, the purpose of those things was to set somebody apart for a holy service. Yeah, this yeah, This was a yeah. dedicated and holy person dedicating their lives to some purpose on God's behalf. It was self-elected. It was, a, yeah, a thing that you could do on your own. Right. So this a like, ch- a self-chosen 
vow of holiness. Mm-hmm. I might not be a Levite, but I'm going to be a Nazarite. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so you could choose to become like the priesthood mm-hmm. through these things. You couldn't touch a dead body like the priest, whatever. So you have this vow you could take to right. become a Nazare, uh-huh. which was to set yourself apart as holy for a special task given to you by God, perhaps. Yeah. It's okay. like a nun. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. where you like take these special vows. Right. Um, so like, the nun's not a priest. That's right. But they often inhabit very similar lives to priests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm that's like right. that's trying good. to that's, think about that, a nun that's a, that's versus a, good, a priest. Okay. a good analogy. So, and then the only other time we get the letters, the Hebrew letters. Nazer. Nazer is in the word nezer. Okay, where, what's that? It means branch. Branch. And branch is the way that the prophets talked about a coming Davidic king yeah. who would reestablish God's nation. Right. So what's interesting here is he's like, and as the prophets have said, he will be called a Nazar. That could mean that he is somebody set apart who has chosen to elect to be holy for a special purpose by God, like the high priest, mm-hmm. who is also a Nazar, but who is also a Nazar, a branch Somebody from the line of David who will rule God's people. And Matthew's like, and isn't it curious? He was born in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, I think he's like doing this interesting, punning wordplay yeah. off the idea of off the letters NZR. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think about, too, he, he's kind of started this whole birth narrative of Jesus referencing Isaiah 7. Yes. And the sign of the virgin birth, mm-hmm. and you shall call him Emmanuel. Well, right after that is okay. in Isaiah 9, you have this language where you have the root of Jesse, this That's right. branch of Jesse coming out. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you had that section of Isaiah ringing in your head, you would have... and then you see the transliterated Hebrew letters for Nazar mm-hmm. being Nazar, like yeah. this branch, you're like, oh, I see what you did there. Right. He's like, it's he's born in branch town. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Nazareth that, is branch town. Or it's holy he, and set apart town. Holy like, and set apart branch town. Yes. He's the holy and set apart branch. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if that's the capstone of his argument. Who yeah. is Jesus then? What does it mean that he was born in Nazareth? It means that he's been set apart for a holy purpose. He will be like Samson who defeats God's enemies and he is the branch of David, the mm-hmm. descendant of King David ready to take on the throne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual final son of God to bring about all the hopes. Yes. And what's cool is then you, you've you got in the genealogy, you know, he's the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's like we've done the son of Abraham stuff. Right. And right, then right. by naming him the mm-hmm. Nazar at the end, it's like, oh, and he's the son of David because he's the branch. That's right. Okay, so that's I, super cool. I really like that way of understanding the ending. That, that's the capstone of Matthew's argument. Yes. Who is Jesus? Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, so you said there were two things. Yes. One was the branch and one was the holy set apart. I said there's two ways to interpret this passage. Yes. That's one way. Oh, that was one that way. Together, okay. the prophets yep. speak of a branch yep. and of this holy and set apart Nazar, mm-hmm. who is holy to be the Davidic branch to save God's people. Wow. So I think that's one connected idea. Okay. So the other idea leans into the fact that there is never a town mentioned in any of the prophets called Nazareth. Right. There's no expectation in the Old Testament that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Nope. And so maybe that's the point. God's Messiah will come from nowhere. 
the son of Joseph, the new Moses, will be unlike Moses in that he won't be raised in an Egyptian palace. He'll be a, a nobody from a backwater. Mm. Jesus will be a humble Messiah with humble beginnings. And so that's the other way to take it, which I also kind of like. And this idea of a humble and unrecognized prophet does exist throughout the prophecies in Zechariah. There's this king that comes who's rejected by his people. Uh, but in Isaiah 53, oh, yeah, you the have, suffering rejected servant. Yeah, this really powerful image of a suffering rejected servant. Mm. And he sa- it says this He grew up before him like a tender shoot. Interesting, though. Oh, a little, little branch. A little branch. And like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. People hid their faces from him. He was despised. We held him in low self-esteem or mm. low a low esteem, right. which is kind of the way Nazareth is used throughout the Gospels. Right. Oh, can anything, you're from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right. So I wonder if he's maybe just setting himself up for right. the ways that Nazareth becomes this shorthand for for a backwater for well, humility. Even um even Israel himself, you know, as the son of God is is talked about that way in Deuteronomy. He's like, why did I choose you, Israel? Is it because you were some big fancy nation? No, you were a nobody from backwater mm-hmm. or nowhere, mm-hmm. and that's why I chose you. That's right. And so you take that with everything else that you've said, and there is this prophetic expectation that the Messiah might come from nowhere. Right. Which is also interesting then thinking about how Hebrews talks about how Jesus fulfills Melchizedek, who kind of oh. just came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. And there is this, like, out-of-nowhereness of mm-hmm. the expectations that yeah. people might have had. So, so it c- I tend to like the branch one better, but this is interesting. Yeah, like, because he's the embodiment of Israel's humility, yeah. the least of all the nations. Right. But he's also the embodiment of the Davidic king destined to rule the world. And I think it's interesting if it we're supposed to take it more seriously as the Messiah from nowhere, the humble Messiah. It's hard to get around in Matthew 53 at least, the branch is mentioned right there too. So these ideas that the king, the Nazar, will also be humble are right there next to each other. Yeah, and I'm like, if Matthew's able to stack Egypt, Israel, and Babylon all together, (laughs) I think he's also able to stack a branch and a set-apartness and an out-of-nowhere idea together. Yes. Like, this is just great writing. Just excellent, excellent <laughs> writing. So fantastic. But that is his recap then. Yeah. So who is Jesus? Who is this child that's born? He's the humble king from nowhere mm-hmm. who's also the branch that will rule the world. Yeah. So weeping women. Yeah. Your sons will be returned to you. Mm. So exiled people, I'm coming to create a new nation out of you, save you from your oppressive leadership, shame them, and lead you to a new home. Yeah. That's what I've come to do. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us in our kind of journey to understand the Old Testament through Matthew's eyes, to read the Old Testament according to Matthew. It's been super fun. I'm learning a ton. (laughs) I hope you guys are too. Thank you for going through all the different names and geographies and flipped upside down ideas. If anybody can figure out how to talk about out of Egypt slash Israel, I mean Israel slash Egypt better than us, please let us know. Let us know a better shorthand for that. So excited to jump into chapter three next week and uh, we'll see you guys there. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. 
Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.